So in the process of learning kingdom economics, we have got to come to terms with that God is not broke and we are not poor. The poor is denoted as those that don't know the word. That's the only time a person is poor, when they do not understand the gospel of the kingdom. Because Matthew in the Beatitudes, as some call it, he says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say they needed more money. He said they needed training on the kingdom. Because that's what brings you out of poverty. Now, money has to be given to cooperate. Say cooperate. cooperate. With the kingdom. There's no culture that you can be a part of where money does not have to play a part in your life. Every culture needs money. It can be called different things. Ours are called the dime or the quarter. Somebody else is called the dinar. Somebody else might be the yen. But ours, no, still money is involved in every culture. So we need to understand kingdom economics. Amen. So, therefore, let's see if I can go back and just recap a couple of points that I said last. Because somebody been hitting up about that trust. I'm going to tell you the truth. It must have hit home. Because when you understand that God has placed in a trust everything, say everything, that you would ever think or imagine to need. This is why you must pay attention to the desires that he puts in your heart. Not the one you brought over from your carnal nature that the devil gave you. Even if it's a good idea, you need to lay it on the table and ask the Lord, is this something you need me to use? Because you're in a new kingdom. And you don't have the right, said the right, to bring your old slave master ideals into a new kingdom. But that's what we do. And we take too long purging our mind of our old slave. And it interferes. And it, this way interferes with your prospering because we take too long developing our mind. Because your mind has to be involved in your prosperity. This is not, I close my eyes and I'm going to be rich overnight. No, this is a participation thing where you participate in your deliverance. You have everything to do with your success. Mm. Then we made the point that you must see yourself as an ambassador. And that is the highest ranking official to represent the head of the state. Or and, and, and in that office, you have been given full authority to speak on behalf of your government. Man, I don't think you understand how powerful that is. God put in this trust as an ambassador, as you fulfill the role of an ambassador, he says, I'm giving you full authority to speak as though I was present. Now, here's what you need to say. He'll give you, he says, don't consider what you're going to say. When it's time, I'll tell you what to say. 
You don't even have to write a speech. Oh, Jesus. It's already been scripted. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, how much more do you want God to do before you participate? Mm. Now, as an ambassador, let me get down to my notes. We got to understand something, that there is nothing that you need as an ambassador that has not already been provided. Say provided. When an ambassador is sent to a foreign nation, what does our government do? They first purchase land in that foreign country. To do what? To build an embassy. And it's done on purpose. Why? So that the ambassador never ever has to consider how he or she's going to live. So even his housing, even the clothes that he wears has already been provided. You just go to the teller and, tell, and the teller make the suit. But the government pays. Because you're on assignment. And provision is provided when you are on assignment. What we've been waiting to do is get money before we go to work. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's not, you need to go back and read the Constitution of the Kingdom of Heaven. It doesn't work like that. Because in the trust, <laughs> it says you must go to work. If a man don't work, he don't what? He won't eat. Mm. All righty, so we, we got that part right. We got that, you understand that part, right? Okay. Let me see if I got, okay. All right. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. Okay, I'm good. I'm, I know where I'm at. You know where you are? Okay, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, let's begin with verse 1. And while you turn it down, I'm going to look at Psalms 8, verse 6. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. One translation says, you made him ruler of the works of your hands. You have placed everything under his feet. All sheep, oxen, and even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all the swim, the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So he says he made you a ruler. You got Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 1. 
if there be if if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Say like-minded. Having the same love. Say the same love. Being of one accord. Say one accord. Of one mind. Say one mind. See, the mission wasn't supposed to divide the body of Christ. It was supposed to make us one-minded. But religion got in and began to segregate and separate how we believe about the mission. So that the mission would fail. Because it's never been about housing. It's never been about your health. It's never been about your children getting what they need. It's never been, they have already been provided for. It's always been about the mission. It's always been about the assignment of reproducing God in the earth. That, that is the only assignment the believer has, is to reconcile people back to God. Let's keep reading. Apostle Paul is teaching, he says, Fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. He says, don't get in here and start arguing about your opinion. Let the word be the deciding factor. What does the word say about it? Not your doctrine. Not your opinion. Not your experiences. What does the word say about it? Because you had a bad experience does not change the authenticity of the word. We got to get back to the word. What does the word say about this? Not what economy in this fallen society says. Man. And then we need to become one-minded on these issues. The greatest way to defeat a household is for the dad and the mom be divided on how we're going to raise the children, how we're going to spend money. It's a, it's, a, it's a doomed house. Because when, when you both should be tearing their hips up, one, one said, well, that's my little baby. You can't beat my baby. You're going to have a divided house. That house is going to have issues Gone to, as my mama said, gone to roost. Ooh. See, God got issues because his children don't understand the Constitution or they're disobeying. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So I should not be looking, sitting in the chair watching you and see if you're going to fall or, or, or because you're up here doing something. You'd be amazed how many people waiting on you to fail. And the moment you fail, they don't ever come to your rescue and begin to believe with you and say, can I pray with you? Can, can I help you get out of this? See, that's a sign they were waiting on you to fail. Ain't no love in that. 
Somebody should be able to pick the phone up and say, look, I know I heard this about you, but what, did, what do you want to do? What's the word about this? Do you, are you ready to be restored? Because you know what? It's a lot of people that will be restored, but the church is so busy telling everybody business. People can't be restored. They don't want to be bothered with the church. Because as soon as you hear something about them, you go tell everybody. And then you put it on Instagram, Facebook, and then don't use their name, but everybody know them. Because they know, they know your circle of people. You know, we got to come out. He says, esteem each other better than yourselves. Look out for one another. When I look out for my kids and, and you all are my kids, there are certain things I put in place in case because I'm looking out for them. I don't expect them to fail, but if they ever need my help, I'm going to be there. I know sometimes it looks like I want to jump in and, and change something and do something, but I can't. Because that's there. I'm waiting to watch the sea. I'm looking at them, and I'm praying for them. I'm believing. I'm cheering them on. You can do it. You can do it. The word is in you. Make it work. I see it. I see it. And I can root for them in the spirit. Why? Because I'm for them. I'm not hoping that they miss the mark and the children go wayward and all that kind of stuff. That's, see, you're not right when you have thoughts like that. Because you should be believing the best. See, an ambassador can't go into a foreign country upset with his government. Can't do it. Because he become a traitor to his own nation. He'll sell the nation down the drain. For a few dollars, he can be bought. And the many have done that. Many have done that. Look at verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What is we being taught in here? That as ambassadors, we got to be first looking out for others. Okay? So you're not saved. Okay, but let, let me help you first. Let me introduce you to the God that I serve by helping you with something natural. Before I give you my sermon, my speech, let me help you with something natural. I may not have everything you need, but I can give you this. I can help you with this. That's right, baby. Say that amen back there for me. I hear you. Hallelujah. That's right. Teach her to say hallelujah. They'll say it. Hallelujah, because this, this generation grow up fast. Then look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Oh, 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 what do we have here now? We got a whole different situation than what we expected because it says that Jesus didn't have a problem thinking himself a certain thinking a certain way about himself 
as well as the gospel. Wait a minute, let me get my, my point here. Because, you know, sometimes these little machines, they try to act up, but I got dominion. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that who existed in the form of God, but he did not consider being equal with God as something to be made light of. Hallelujah. Okay, now go back to Genesis 1, 26. You don't have to turn up and say, go back in your mind. What happened at Genesis 1, 26? God made man on the same level as himself. He didn't make a lower form of him. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who didn't think it was robbery? To be on the same level as God. But he didn't take it lightly. Mm. In this earth, he had the same ability as God the Father. Oh. Look at verse 7. But he did not make a reputation for himself. Mm. So it wasn't about him. It was about the kingdom. A lot of you don't witness because you're thinking about you. You say, well, I, can't, I don't talk well. Well, God did away with that. He'll fix your speech. If the more you do it, the more proficient you become in it. The reason you're not efficient or proficient is because you don't do it enough. Now, some of you got jobs. When you went to your job, you were not all that good when you started out. But somebody persevered with you and let you make mistakes until you got good at it. Now, God, you think God would do you any less? If you were to tip to go out and do something good for the kingdom, that he would just throw it and say, oh, you didn't do that right. Sit down. See, God wouldn't do that. He'll persevere with you. Until you get it right. But if you don't do it but once a year, you'll never become proficient in it. Mm. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with him. So he emptied himself of himself and took on the form of a servant. See, now, this word servant is not slave. You got to see it differently. Because when we think of servant, we think of slave. You are servant. When you go to your job, you are servant. They hired you to be a servant. They didn't hire you to be the boss. They hired you to work. So Jesus said... I emptied myself of myself, of all my deity, all the power that I had over things. I reduced that and came down and took your dominion, the same place you have, the same authority you have. I worked that same authority in the earth. 
So there's not a different authority that Jesus used that we should be using. It's not a lesser degree of it. You have the same power. Say the same power. Oh, Jesus. Mm -hmm. He says, I took on the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. Mm. He said, I was made like a human so I could identify. Say identify. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. See, he humbled himself as a man and became obedient unto death, even the death of cross of the cross. Wherefore God, say God. So that who's got to do the exalted? God. Promotion comes from God. Therefore, you ain't got to try to be a man pleaser because promotion comes from God. Woo, Jesus. Man, that ought to free some of y'all up right now. Wherefore, God has also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Not because he was just Jesus, but because he was fulfilling what God called him to do while he was in the earth. Uh Uh-huh. Uh huh. He stayed on the mission. That at that name of Jesus, every knee, say every knee. Because it's coming, as the old folks can say, reckoning day is coming. And the reckoning day is so quickly upon us. We, we listen, get right and stay right. That's all I can say. Get right and stay right. You got to stop all this foolishness of being upset, hating people, exploding on the internet and all that kind of stuff, acting like the the Lord don't see you. You're cussing your own, bring curses on your own self, saying stuff that you know is not even true. If you're exhausted, why are you on the internet? So it's a lie. You can't be that tired because you spend 30 minutes on, on explaining your tiredness. You should have been sleeping if you were really tired. So it's a lie. When are we going to stop lying? See, you done got so used to fake stuff. That you don't understand that the devil got you in this fake zone so you would never be who God called you to be. And you'll end up living a fake life with no results. Now you might have a whole lot of likes on Instagram, on YouTube, but you ain't got it in your house. I'd rather have it in my home if they don't ever know my name on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I don't care if they never know my name on those sites. They messed up anyhow. So much stuff coming out about them. You know, I, I had started to go on Facebook some years ago, and the Lord said, I didn't tell you to do that. And I had Minister Regina would help me, and I told her, I said, you know what, I can't do it. I didn't know because I thought, you know, you know, hey, we're going to get up there, do Facebook like everybody else. I'm going to learn it so my kids can't say I'm still in the dinosaur age. But the Lord said, no. And now I understand better why. Now, that's not for everybody. I said that was for me. I'm not condemning anybody that's on Facebook. 
but you need to know how to handle Facebook. Don't make Facebook your venting page when you should be praying. Some things people don't need to know about you because they change their opinion about you once they know it. And you just don't know it because they, they, they say, well, that's her dumbness. You told it. And you want to know, I wonder how they know that about me. You told it. Okay, get back to the lesson. It said he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have Always obeyed. Not just in my presence only. But now much more in my absence. Work out. Somebody said work it out. Work out your own salvation. Jesus had to work out his own. He said now you got to work out your own salvation. So work is not a cuss word. Work out your own salvation with reverence and trembling. Why? Because you're elevated to a place to operate just like God. And you shouldn't take that lightly because Jesus didn't take it lightly. He was representing God in the earth so man could get an idea of what he can do with the power of God in him. Mm. See, he's talking about exercising your rulership and your dominion. Uh-huh. And this is Apostle Paul telling us, he said there's some things you, you, you can't have in your life as a ruler. You, you got to be blameless. You can't be, you can't be trying to harm people with your words. It would be wrong of me to get up here and talk about somebody that I know to harm them. That's using my office incorrectly. And sometimes the examples that are used might be very close to home because I do have an archive of experiences. But I'm not trying to hurt an individual. Apostle Paul said, as a ruler, you got to humble yourself first. And then you got to understand you're not giving this authority to hurt people. Mm. He says, you're not giving this. So we got to abandon selfishness. Woo, Jesus. Because sometimes you can be very selfish. And if you're not careful, it'll overthrow your authority as a, as a ruler. Mm. And then he encouraged them to live a life of cheerfulness. He said, stop all y'all complaining. <laughs> he, said, he said, stop complaining. You may not like that, but that's what it said. He says, stop complaining. Okay, you don't believe me. Look at the verse. Go on down there. Look at the verse. I'm going to show you. Look at verse 14. Do all things without murmurings 
and disputings. He says, quit that mess of fussing and complaining. Stop arguing about stuff. It doesn't edify you as a ruler. It, it, it cheapens your office. People don't take you serious when you argue all the time. You become known as a divider. And people don't want to be around you when you argue all the time. You're supposed to be a person of peace. Mm. So now going back to the original thought that the Lord gave me, a ruler must develop the same mindset. Say a ruler must develop the same mindset. Okay, about the property as the owner. So if the trust has been established, God is the grantor of the trust. And in that trust, he gave us all these stipulations of what makes the trust benefit us and the kingdom. Remember that? So now, as a ruler, even though I don't own the land, I must develop the mindset like the owner because I've been given rulership over it. This is why it is so uh, sad when I see parents let their children destroy their houses. Why? You are not giving the owner consideration. See, everything you have belongs to God. And you are not considered the owner. You're treating it like, well, it's not mine. I ain't got to take care of it. So you let them tear it up. But it's all the furniture you got. Then when people come to your house, you try to make every excuse in the book. Well, I just ain't cleaned up today. You never clean up. What's new about today? Well, you know, my kids will play. They, all, they play all over your house. Do you not know if you don't train your kids to be royal, they'll never act royal? And some people say, well, that's living too straight. Well, when our children were growing up, we were training them for kingdom because we understood kingdom principles. We understood the kingdom. And in order for our children to understand and reverence the house of God, they had to learn to reverence in our house at home. So now we had rooms that they were designated for them to play in. You can't let them play in every room in your house. Not that you're excluding them, but they can't go in there and, and take the crayon and mock on the table. And you just, I mean, you know, you got this pretty glass table, and they got the crayon mocking on it. Everything is something for them to do. See, you're you making your children have ruler over the house. I thought you were the ruler. And if you're not careful, your house going to look like a child lives all over your house. Now, I know y'all don't like that because got some modern-day parents. And do I care? The answer is no. You need to hear the truth. 
Because if you're ever going to be the ambassador you've been called unto, you got to learn some disciplines at home. Because when they send that ambassador out, he can't go out there uh, picking his teeth with the fork. They're going to teach him some etiquette. They're going to train him, especially about the cultures of the country he's going to. They're going to train him how to sit on good furniture. He's going to have some classes so he'll recognize that's a Queen uh, Elizabeth chair. That is not the goodwill chair. And you can't kick it with your legs and rear back in it. See, if you don't learn these things in the house of God, where are you supposed to learn it? If you don't learn and your child take the gum and stick it on the, underneath of the chair, or to eat everywhere and you got spots on every rug in your house. See, but you're ruling. That's because you won't give them designated places that are theirs where they can have fun. Our children have designated places. Now, what they do in their own space, I don't have nothing to do with it. That's their house. You know, when they get the, they got kids, one got kids, my grandbaby, now he come to my house, he know what to do in my house. He know where he can go and play. Now, you know, they said, well, mama, you more lenient on him than you were on us. I don't think so. They say, yes, ma'am. I don't think so. <laughs> and I told my daughter the other day, I said, because he loves musical instruments. So his other grandmother, Regina, and I was talking, and she said, they're going to buy something. I said, well, I'm going to buy this so that when he come to my house, he can play it as long as he want to, because he loves my baby grand piano. So I'm trying to help him because the, the, the top is so heavy that when he goes, he can't put it down by himself yet. It slams. And I mean, you know, you can't replace that any kind of way. So I'm going to buy something he can play on. So when he comes to grandma's house, he can play the piano as long as he wants to. And my children said, Ma, yep. Why? I want him to understand you take care of this right here. Now, when you get old enough to handle that, you, you're welcome to sit there as long as you like when you learn how to play. But I got to provide something for him because his interest in music is really big. So I'm not trying to damper his interest. I just got to reroute how he expresses it. I know I'm helping y'all. Because it would be a shame for all the money my husband paid for that piano, as much as I love my grandson, to let him go there and take a piece of crayon and it's a white piano and mock it up or, or, or you know, crash the top or whatever. See, that is not good stewardship. And you can call it love if you want to. I call it foolishness. And when it's broke, who's going to pay for it? The grandbaby can't replace it. And then you stuck with an ugly piano sitting in your front row. No, you provide because you know grandchildren coming. 
so you provide things where they can go and play. Mm. And then you train them how to use the good. So a ruler must develop the same mindset about the property as the owner. Therefore, the ruler must take on an ownership mentality. So you got to take it on as though it's yours. In fact, if you lease certain uh, properties, even in our state, there are certain things that you're going to be responsible for because the owner going to let you be like the owner. They said, well, we, excuse me, we'll pay the water, but you take care of everything else. And you're going to go in there and operate like you are the what? Although you don't what? Own it. Because it's a tool that you've been commanded to be a steward over. Mm. When you realize that you are responsible for how things turn out, you would think differently. And that God is gauging how much you can get by your stewardship of what you have now. He's already determining how far you can go, what kind of money you can get, what kind of house you can live in based on what you're doing or what you got right now. Mm. Well, this is going to help you. Because if you want to have a better house, take care of the one you're in right now. I don't care if it's an apartment. Make it look like an embassy. Let it be the best apartment in the whole unit. That when the, the maintenance people come, they don't have to look at a lot of broke down stuff and, and, and treat your house. They walk in your house and, and walk in that. You know, we had our apartment. People was, the maintenance man, he was saying, he said, Miss, uh, Miss Davis, can, can I come in right here? I said, yeah, come on right here. And you were living in an apartment, written from the same people they were renting from. They didn't handle our house in a counterway. I got people to come do work in my house now, take their shoes off at my front door. I never told them to do it. They look at my house and say, mm, I ain't walking on that carpet with my shoes. Had nothing to do. I never said it. It's how it looks. It commands respect. Mm. Now, do it get out of, yeah, my house get out of order sometimes because when I get busy, I don't feel like cleaning. But then there come a reckoning day where I got to shut it all down and go clean. Because <laughs> it's like it's overwhelming me. Now, oh, no, oh, no, we got to go to work. Nop, 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 nop. This is not how you live. But I'm saying as a rule, people get their cue how you live and how they're going to respect you based on what you do to yourself and how you keep your stuff. From the front door to the back door. Say attitude adjustment. So you got to adjust your attitude. Because if you ever intend to walk in wealth, you got to start thinking like wealthy people. That's why y'all go on TV and you see the houses. Ooh. I was watching a house over in Dubai. I'm going like, Lord, the people got money that belong to me. 
They don't know what to do with that money. They made, I'm telling you, listen, they didn't have no fake gold on the wall. The wall had, I mean, they had the coverings in gold, entrenched in gold. It's so much money. And we over here acting like God got to hand us out a biscuit. And the world is using our money. Time to grow up. Take that rulership mindset. Go ahead and turn to Psalms 8. I'm going to read this to you. Look at verse 3, Psalms 8, verse 3. See, this is an attitude adjustment that we got to make. Because if not, we're going to miss a lot of things that God has planned for us. It's already in the trust. It's already in the trust. You don't have to beg God for what he's already provided for you. If I've already provided something for my kids, they do not have to beg me to get it. Now, they can ask. They can put in a request. Mama, can I go in there and have such and such? Sure, I made sure. My son came past the house for a little short stop, you know, uh, was it yesterday, baby? Friday. And I had fixed myself a bacon and egg sandwich. I knew he was coming. Guess what I did? I fried extra bacon. Because every time he come to my house, if he smell bacon, he think he's supposed to have some. <laughs> so instead of him saying, well, you didn't make me no I just fixed extra bacon. And I, went, I was in the room, and I said, hey, son, I fixed you some. I already ate it, mama. <laughs> <laughs> he walked into my bedroom chewing the bacon. Why? He knew it was provided for him. And he didn't have to beg me for the bacon. No. It was given freely to him. Look at verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? For thou hast made him a little lawyer than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. He says, you crown man with glory and honor. Glory here means provision. You have crowned him with wealth and provision. It is what he's known for. Man is known for being rich. Woo, Jesus. We make everything just on the spiritual side. No, he says, when you go back and you reference the word glory, the original use of the word glory is associated with wealth. Mm. He says, I've crowned you with glory and honor. He says, thou madest him to have dominion. I've given you rulership over the works of my hands. And I have put all things under your feet. So you don't have to be scared of nothing because God has already put it under your feet. All you got to do is exercise your authority. So when the stuff started acting up, what you got to do, remind it, you under my feet. I have dominion over you. You have a right to speak. Shut up. Tell your bitch, shut up. You ain't got no right to talk. You don't have no dominion in here. I call you counsel, paid off. Don't talk no more. Woo, Jesus. Mm. Are you seeing yourself? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So we see that every ambassador 
Everything that ambassador would ever need has already been provided. And according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, let's turn there. Let's read what it says. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, if Jesus had to go through all of that, and Jesus proved his ambassadorship, and he was highly exalted and given a name above all names. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the exact same ministry of Jesus the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us that same ministry, that same mission. Why? To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world. That's why he put Jesus on the cross, to reconcile the world so we can have the opportunity to come back unto him, not imputing their trespass. So he forgave us of our past foolishness. It's already been forgiven. Stop living in your past. It's been nailed to the cross. Stop letting it cripple you and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead or in his place be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, man, that's a powerful statement. Because he didn't know any sin, but he took on the nature of a man. He took on the likeness of a man so that he could show man how powerful man really is. Because God made us that way. We are ambassadors for the kingdom. We're not beggars. We are not beggars. We are not paupers. We are not without hope. We are not without hope. The world has no hope, but we are not without hope. We have a contract. We have a trust that's been given unto us that says, whatever you need, if you put the mission first, the trust will provide. You don't have to struggle with money. You don't have to struggle with food or your rent or your mortgage or your car note. I'll pay that stuff off because you're on assignment. When the assignment becomes your priority, I have to say it again, money cometh. Money will come. Because money is the lowest form of wealth. It's easy to get. We made it Lord, and he's not a good Lord. He doesn't rule very well. Money doesn't rule very well. It makes you greedy. It makes you pitiful. You, you, you have to do some things that are unseemly to a believer in order to appease money. 
In fact, when you read the accounts that Jesus talked about it, he never said the devil was more powerful than money. Because the devil don't make y'all do a lot of stuff, but money will. Money will make people do a lot of stuff. They're, they're campaigning right now. They're rioting because most of them are being paid. They don't care not about the cause. They're being paid to riot. So don't believe what you see on TV a lot of time. And they call that peaceful demonstration. Liar, liar, pants on fire. See, you, you got to believe God for America to be redeemed. It's already been redeemed, but I mean be restored. Not necessarily the way it always was, but what God wants America to be. Because this has been the one nation that God was able to get the gospel out of. And now they're trying to shut it down. What you going to do about it? They're trying to make it so that we can't preach the gospel. What you going to do about it? You going to run in your house? And say, well, you know what? I can, as long as I can watch it on TV. When they, when they change the channel for you, what you gonna do? When they come knock at your door, say, are you a believer of Jesus? What you gonna do? Because you're hiding now. Don't tell me you're gonna stand tall and strong in the face when they're knocking at your door. If you're hiding from the mission now. Let me tell you something. People are ready to be saved. We need to get out there and talk to people. People are hurting. But they want somebody to understand their own country to come find them. Because you got to be able to show them something different than what they're dealing with. You got to show them some peace. You say, well, my house don't look at that. We're not talking about that. You got to be able to show them some love, some peace, some joy fulfillment knowing that God has already met all your needs it's not based on the circumstance see if you can't show that people don't want to hear what you got to say and some of you been with me and I said to you maybe I've said it to you people say you always smell good and what I say to them what I say to them exactly what I said I tell them I said I did this just for you and they look at you with this look as if to say, for real? I say, yep, I did this just for you because I want you to smell God. God paid for this perfume. You notice what I said? I didn't say prayer. I said paw. When it gets to be the paw, God paid for this. I want you to know how God smells. You'd be amazed what you do in your everyday life can attract or repel people. How you look when you represent can determine whether people will be drawn to you or not. I can, listen, you can't change people and what they look and expect a Christian to look like. So all I can say, be on your best behavior. Look like you're a real Christian. So they'll look at you differently. Hmm. It's kind of hard to explain to somebody 
the Lord will pull you out of prostitution and you're not dressed in a whole lot better than them. Now I'm going to leave it just right there. You go figure. Figure it out yourself. Because if half their hind parts out, and if you bend over, we're going to see the north. How you how you going to share Jesus in that? See, we got to come back and be real. Because a lot of our stuff we do, we, we got our cue from the world and not the word. Am I saying you can't be attractive in the way you dress? That's not what I'm saying. But y'all know the difference. We've gone too far in letting the world tell us how to eat, how to dress, how to look, how to smell, how to talk, how to live, how to drive. We got all our cues from the world. But you don't know enough about the Bible, what God said you have, and your responsibility as a believer. If I ask each one of you, quote me a scripture right now. How many of you will fail the test? Aha. See, you got some work to do then, don't you? You got some work to do. Because you don't know enough about your country that you say you're from. No wonder you don't, ex- you don't uh, go out and win people. You don't have no confidence from where you were born. You're born out of heaven. You're supposed to know more about God than you do anything in life. That's where you are from. When I lived in the hood, I could tell you every shortcut. I knew the back ways. I knew the front ways. We knew how to get around the, the, the gang on the street. Why? I was familiar. I knew my place. That's where I lived. How many of you know how to get around when it comes to this word? Can you describe what God is like? Can you give them an example of what God did for you? Can you minister to them and say, hey, this is what the Lord will do for you. See, God will send people based on where you are that you can minister to that will hear your voice. But if you're not ready, people are passing you by. And you don't ever know when you might be the last person that they get the opportunity to hear the gospel from. You might be their last stop. So this is a lesson of love this morning.